0: Mount Olive Lutheran Church, located at 2170 Havasupai Boulevard, Lake Havasu City, Arizona, brings you this weekly radio program, Winds Through the Olive Trees. This program was recorded at our previous week's church service. We are an affiliate congregation of the ELCA churches in America. At Mount Olive, we serve Christ by welcoming all growing in Christ, and sharing God's love. Listen now as Pastor Craig Corbin brings you the message.
1: Good morning. Welcome to worship. Our Holy Gospel is from the first chapter of Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him they exclaimed everyone is searching for you and Jesus replied let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that i can preach there also that is why i have come so that he traveled so he traveled throughout galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons the gospel of our lord Again, I invite you to join me as I pray together with you this morning, the Holy Spirit prayer. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I've been thinking and reflecting a lot this week about restoration. Specifically, when I think about restoration, restoration has to do with wellness. It has to do with wholeness. It has to do with health in many respects. Um, I suppose there's a whole entire industry Uh, right now, that uh, centers on restoration. Restoration is also something that is, I call, context-specific. In the sense that each and every one of us has various forms of restoration in our lives, and we go through patterns of restoration in our lives. Some of it can be physical, some of it is mental, some of it is psychological and for others it can be a a restoration uh, of economics getting a good new job that actually helps pay the bills it can be something that's communal restoration or relational restoration as far as restoring a relationship that's been broken the other thing that i think about when i think about restoration is is that restoration is something that's hopeful when we think about restoration It has the intent or it implies that we are hopeful that something is going to be different, that something's going to perhaps change or something's going to get better. I was thinking about some of the times in my life when I've been sick. Now I consider myself to be one of those very fortunate individuals that I I, I don't have a lot of memories of being very sick in my life. I've, I've just been very fortunate to be a relatively healthy person most of my life. But in those times when I was sick, I recall what it was like. I felt isolated. I felt powerless in a certain sense. I was weak. I was alone. I felt, uh, some of the times I remember being sick, I was actually pretty miserable. I was unproductive. And my greatest desire was for my body to heal and to get back to a normal life. And for me, that meant a life that was restored to having back being a, a normal part of my family. It meant being able to be in relationship again with my children and my wife because, you know, well, when you're sick, you really don't want to be around that person, right? So, I mean, just, just that fact that we get back into that normal day in and day out flow of life and being restored to health made it possible for me again to be purposeful and productive. And in many respects, being restored gives us a sense, of, a sense of freedom again in our lives. I was thinking, as I was thinking about this passage this week, all those people, all of those people who came and gathered around Peter's house, who came with a hope, with a hope, of restoration that they would be healed now it's hard for us to imagine what that must have looked like now we know that during that particular time the city of Capernaum was maybe around 1500 people that's a relatively small community when you think about it I mean considering the fact that I grew up in Webster South Dakota with a, with a population at the time that I grew up there it was about 3,000 people, so literally, it was literally double, Webster, South Dakota is double the size of the city of Capernaum, so Capernaum was not a, a very large city, which, that, which meant that people knew each other, you know, and I think back to the small town dynamics. I knew a ton of people in town. I may not have known them really personally, but we, you knew people because of the small town atmosphere, and that's what Capernaum was. But we really don't know exactly how many people, but it says that the whole town showed up and that Jesus healed. It says Jesus healed many. And one of the things that I was thinking about, that collectively as a community of people, what that must have been like. How must have they, How must that have, if Jesus healed so many people, how did that alter the people's lives? Specifically, how did it alter that entire community as a whole? To now have this large number of people who had been ill in some respect, some sense of the word, whether it was mental, mental or whether it was physical or whatever it was, people who had probably been living relatively isolated lives, who now are back into and integrated back into the culture and back into the community. What a restored sense of community that must have been like. and What, would it, what did that look like and what did that feel like? Well, in a certain sense, I think that if we really take just a a few minutes to think about it, all of us here have experienced that sense of renewed sense of life and vitality and community. All we have to do, or have you already forgotten, all we have to do is go back three years ago when we were in the middle of a major worldwide pandemic what were we doing well i don't know if you remember what you were doing but i remember what i was doing i was living in isolation we closed down this church to worship i was literally standing here where i am right now actually i was probably right down there and jennifer was right there with her camera and steve Philo was my congregation and who's that guy back there oh yeah that guy in the booth paul hey paul I was standing here in a sanctuary leading worship to an empty sanctuary. All of our meetings were via Zoom. I can remember having confirmation class on Wednesday nights sitting in all these multiple screens of kids sitting around and we're talking to kids having confirmation class. Church council met via Zoom and then when we did meet in person we had tables set up that were like we set up in the parish center, and it was like, okay, we're all gonna sit in the same room, but we're gonna be at least eight feet apart, and we're all gonna wear masks. You know, I mean, all that stuff, is, is, is that just a distant memory to you? We didn't know what life was gonna be like for us. It was an uncertain future. And how we longed, how we longed to be restored. You know, yeah, we came back to worship, and maybe we came back to worship a little too early. And we tried to do all of these things. Do you remember how we had people sitting every other pew? And we asked that you wear masks. Now, some of you decided not to wear masks. That's okay. I don't want to get into the politics of mask wearing and not mask wearing. Whatever. But the point is, you know, we can go back and look at that hindsight and go, "Eh, I don't know, was it a smart thing to get back together and worship again? I guess I don't want to get into that debate right now. But we're back to normal now in a certain sense. We're back to a restored community where we are in relation with one another. We're actually sitting next to each other. We're, we're hugging and we're shaking hands. We're extending the peace to one another. And we embrace and we are relating and we're laughing and we're working and we're fellowshipping and we're doing all of these things, the ministry things that we've always done we have this restored community. We know what that's like. Our worship life, our fellowship gatherings, all of them as we enjoy being Christ in Christ centered community. That's taken on a whole new vibrancy again for us. And in the greatest sense of the word, there has been for us a renewed sense of restoration. Okay, that's the exciting part. That's the good news part. Yes, life in many respects is back to normal. And there is a great sense of restoration. And yet the world and the community that I know is still a hurting place. People are still experiencing and getting sick and facing significant life-challenging obstacles. Relationships between married couples are being devastated by differences that are unreconcilable. Children are still going to school hungry. Revenue sources for many are not keeping up with the cost of living. Many people are literally living check paycheck to paycheck. Some people literally are working two, three jobs just to make ends meet. Electrical service is still being disconnected, even with people with families with children are sitting in dark of their homes because they can't afford to pay their electric bill. People are being evicted from their homes. Adult children are now caregivers for their aging parents, and it is truly exhausting for many of them, which doesn't seem to have much respite for the caregiver. These are the things that I see and that I hear and that I face every day with the people that I encounter, and it is truly a privilege for me to be entrusted with that, that people come and talk with me and share with me the things that are happening in their lives. And some of them are difficult, hard things. And this is one of the reasons why I, I myself can truly resonate with the words and the insights and the questions from Deb Thomas, who expresses and, in a certain sense, she laments. Where she writes, she says, Sometimes I wish that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had included a few less dramatic stories in their books. And then she asks some questions, which I think are okay to ask. God can handle it. Jesus can handle our questions. And these are really gut-wrenching questions. And she says, she asks, Did Jesus ever, for example, visit a feverish woman, take her hand, and offer only the comfort of his presence with no cure Did Jesus ever tell a chronically ill child that I can't take away your pain, but I love you and I'll try my best to help you bear it? Did Jesus ever encounter an unclean spirit that he couldn't cast out? Did Jesus ever sit in the dark with a profoundly depressed person and just sit with them? Did Jesus ever keep a vigil at a deathbed and cry with the family as they said goodbye? Those are hard questions. But as I think about those questions, those, the reason why I resonate with those questions is because these are the things that are my reality. And I think if you really think about it hard enough and long enough, it is your reality too. These are the things that are my reality in the ministry and the work that I have the privilege to live into each and every day of my life. And it is your reality. Because we all live with a common humanity. None of us are immune from broken relationships, the hardships of this broken world. And boy, we look around right now and this world is broken. Sickness that is prevalent and not even death itself. None of us are immune to death itself. And as Deb Thomas so aptly states about Jesus' miraculous healing, she says, "...those signs and wonders are not my daily reality." I think that's one of the things that I like about Deb Thomas. She's just so deadly honest. In the midst of all the brokenness, the sickness, and yes, even death itself, we also live lives centered in hope and restoration. That hope and restoration is in the person of Jesus Christ. I can face every day. I face every single day because Jesus was one of us. I face every single day because I know that Jesus is with me today. I face every single day with hope and restoration because Jesus lives in me through the Holy Spirit that embodies me and inhabits me. Just as the Holy Spirit lives, wasn't that one of the, wasn't that one of the verses that you were living into this week? that Jesus said, I will not be with you much longer, but I will give you an advocate. I will give you someone that will live in you and be in you. You have Jesus in you. You have, I have, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And I can face every day with grace and hope and a sense of restoration because I I live with a God who loved the world so much, who's on our side, a God who loved the world so much that he became one of us. He walked this way earth in human form as the apostle paul said it so aptly that he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant and being found in appearance as man he humbled himself and became obedient yes even obedient unto death god himself went to the cross and died in the person of jesus christ he took on our pain and yet god had the final word because jesus said but I'm not going to let death have the final, final sting. God said no to death and the grave and overcame death in the grave. and said, I'm going to overcome and I'm going to rise up. And ultimately, that is what our hope and our restoration is, is that we will have this opportunity to share in the, the eternal fellowship and in the ever-embracing arms of Christ forever. He walked the earth and taught us what it meant to be people of the way. He taught us what it meant to be godlike, to extend and showed us what it meant to be compassionate, to what it meant to forgive, and what it meant to live lives where we were to hope for and seek restoration. This is the life that he calls you and I to live out in our daily walk of faith, to be the very presence of Christ to those around us. To the ones that we have the privilege to encounter each and every day and to also, because we are the presence of Christ through this community that calls ourselves the body of Christ, because we are the body of Christ, gives us the opportunity to extend grace and compassion and to touch each of these individuals with our presence and with the very presence of Christ through our compassion and grace. And as Deb Thomas so eloquently writes, she says, Our great task, our great calling, our great journey is to live graciously and compassionately in this vast and often terrible in-between. Another gut-wrenching, honest statement. She further writes that this great task, this great calling, this great journey of living graciously and compassionately, as Jesus calls us, to live lives that we have the privilege to offer the comfort of our steady presence to those who suffer, to create and to restore community, to create and restore family, to create and restore dignity to those who have to walk through this life either sick or weak or wounded without cures. And perhaps the most important thing that we can do of, of all of these things is to walk with these people and make sure that no one, no one, dies alone and unloved. This is how God showed his love amongst us. God sent the one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Jesus is where healing and restoration begins. Jesus is where healing and restoration is sustained and nurtured. And Jesus is where we are set free to live into God's given identity and potential, our God-given identity and potential as a beloved and compassionate community of restoration. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. I invite you to join me as we pray the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. Go in peace and tell what God has done.
0: We hope that you've been enriched by this broadcast. We invite you to come and join us. Our worship times are Saturday at 5 p.m., Sunday morning at 8 and 10 a.m. Youth join us weekly for Sunday school during the 10 a.m. hour. And on the third Sunday of the month, the youth lead the 10 a.m. worship. Visit our website at mtolc.com or call us at 928-855-2299. Our worship is ended. Let your service begin.